0: Amen. All right, so look on your handout. So Elijah's ministry was coming to a conclusion. But before the Lord would receive him to himself, his ministry would be passed on to another. And of course, that being the prophet Elisha. Now, the mantle that we've read about here plays an important or symbolic role in the perpetuation of prophetic ministry. It's going to be passed on. So the mantle, we see mantles elsewhere in the scriptures. So a mantle, uh, if you notice on your handouts, probably made of sheepskin, probably a large overgarment or like a coat and a robe. Um, in the Hebrew dictionary, it says a splendid under tunic, uh, usually of blue, usually reaching to below the knees. And it was, it was worn not only but by the priests, but by the prophets and also by wealthy or rich people. So a couple of examples. For instance, in the book of Ezra, on your handout I have, at the evening sacrifice, Ezra said, I arose from my heaviness, having rent my garment and my mantle, and I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. By the way, I know most of you probably know this, but the word rent there, it means to tear. uh, And so that's that's what Ezra did. And then Job, the Bible says, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and he worshiped the Lord. When Jesus was crucified, they placed on him a purple robe That would have been something similar uh, as well. And um, just like with Elijah is going to take the mantle and place it upon Elisha, Really, there's a symbolism there. When we accept Christ as our Savior, it's as if Jesus has taken his mantle and he's placed it on you and me as well. Amen? To follow the Lord. And so here in this particular instance, the, the prophetic ministry is being passed on. And realistically, all ministry is, going, is being passed on from generation to generation to generation in 1 Thessalonians, it tells us that we have been, uh, that the gospel has been placed in our trust, and the sacred trust from generation to generation to generation to pass the gospel on uh, for those that come after us. But just some practical things here with regards to what's taken place. So we really we will come back here to 2 Kings in, in just a few minutes. But we have to go back to 1 Kings to see where Elijah and Elisha uh, first came into contact with one another by divine appointment. So go back, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. Now, in 1 Kings chapter number 19, just before what we're about to read, it was when Elijah was on the mount and a still small voice, the voice of the Lord, spoke to him. Uh, Elijah was in great despair. He, he just wanted to die, if you remember from when we, we... In fact, if you're in verse chapter 19, it's in verse number 4. Look what it says. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for am I not better than my father's? I find it ironic, don't you, that Elijah requested to die and the reality is, here it is thousands of years later and Elijah has still never died. He's taken up in, in our chapter that we're in today uh, in, a, in a chariot, and um, but God's got a plan. And for Elijah, uh, that time has not yet, yet come. But look at verse 19. So the Bible says, so... He departed thence, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose, and he went after Elijah, and they ministered unto him. So the first point here with regards to this is just a simple point. It's the two words there on your handout, follow me. And you notice in the life of Elijah, and, I, and again, or the life of Elisha, this is, this is a divine appointment. He's brought these two men together. God does that. He brings people together. Like I gave you just a brief history of my testimony. But who would have thought? You no, know, I grew up in New Jersey. And um, I had to come, and I, I had heard the gospel my whole life. My mom and dad faithfully brought us church as kids, but like many teenagers, I was rebellious and had no interest in spiritual things and and moved to Southern Vermont, was working at a ski area and met my wife-to-be and decided to get married. And here, this preacher from uh, Massachusetts was just starting this little brand new church on the outskirts of town at the, um, uh, the school, Briggsville School. And I would pass by and and who would have known that God would have done all of that? I had no interest in spiritual things. But, but praise God, whether it's me or whether it's you, God has an interest in us. Amen? And uh, so God reached out and made it all happen. I'm not going to get into all the details of how it happened, but God made it happen. And um, here's the same kind of a thing taking place here. But it's a personal call. And uh, you notice on your handout, 2 Timothy said this, or Paul, writing to Timothy, said with regards to the Lord, who had saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Not only the fact that we got saved, but... The other sub-point there, that we're to serve. The reality is, whether you're called to be a preacher or not called to be a preacher, there's a holy calling on all of our lives to serve him. And no matter what you are. And did you notice, back in 2 Kings, uh, there was a group of men. They were part of the school of the prophets. But who who did God use? He didn't use one of those men who were in the school of the prophets. He used a man that was out plowing. He was just, he was a farmer. And God spoke to him. I find a little irony in that as well because sometimes we think that certainly there's nothing wrong with going to Bible college and taking Bible courses and, and, and getting a Bible degree. Don't get me wrong. But but for me personally, I had been to four years of secular college, I had a degree in sociology, and from Fairleigh Dickinson University, and I actually thought I was going to go into law enforcement, and that didn't work out. And again, through a whole situation, ended up uh, after uh, worked for a skier for two years, and then started a, a, a business. And um, well, God didn't call me out of college to to. And then, in fact, once I I felt called to go into the ministry, I said to Pastor Ainsworth, I said, Pastor Ainsworth, I just finished four years of college, like three years ago. I don't feel that, of God, to go back to college. So his words to me, basically, were this. Listen, you be my Timothy, and I'll be your Paul. And I'll train you up in the ministry. And then he also hooked me up. There was different things that were available. And at that time, Liberty University had really started their outreach where you could take... Uh, it was a two-year course that you could take, um, all concentrated on, on, on the Bible and um, the Old Testament survey and New Testament survey and, and, and other things as well, all the different doctrines, and that's what I did. I'll, go to, I'll, I'll date myself, though. You might chuckle at this. So uh, today, everything would be online, right? Back then, everything was on cassettes. So if you go upstairs, like it's in the attic here at the church. I had I have boxes and boxes of all of these courses on cassette. So they would send you the cassette. No, the, no, you had to purchase the entire two-year program, and then you would take the course. And there were then you were uh, given f- exams, but you had to have a monitor when you took the exams. So. I'd ha- you'd have to have someone sign off. They'd, they'd open up the envelope. They'd hand it to you. You would take the exam. They'd put it back in an envelope, and then they would send it back to uh, Liberty University. So that's what I did. Anyhow, um, but I wasn't—I I wasn't in Bible college when God called me. I was out plowing, uh, not in the field, but selling furniture. And here's Elisha. The same thing. And um, and now. It, He's called not only to be saved, but he's called to serve. But it's a personal call. And God calls us at different places at different times. And here he, here we learn some things, though, about Elisha. Look, look, at, look at some things. This is a powerful call in his life. Actually, look at those three or four verses again. Maybe you could help me out. Tell me some things about Elisha that you if you were a detective and I asked you well to tell me some things about this man, Elisha, some personal things, what would you? What could you tell me just by those couple of verses? Like, for instance, in verse nineteen, there's some there's an evidence here with regards to Elisha. Huh? He was a farmer. He's plowing. That's uh, yeah. Okay. What else? You wanted to say something, Daniel? He's a hard worker. Yeah, he's a hard worker. What else? Well, let me, let me give you a hint. How many yoke of oxen did he have? How many? So what does that tell us about him? He's, str- he's wealthy. He is strong, but he's wealthy. That's a lot of oxen to have. This is a successful farmer. And um, it says there that uh, in verse 19, he had 12 yoke, yoke of oxen before him. And Elijah comes and he finds him. And so we see this, Elisha, successful at what he was doing. Um, and then, because listen, God, God doesn't call people, God's not going to call people to ministry who are, who are not willing to work. We'll see this a little bit later on here in the text. Uh, well, let me just, I'll save that, some of that for later. But we also find some other things too as we read on about Elisha and his call here. So in verse 20 it says he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and he said let me I pray thee kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him Elijah is now saying this "Well, go back again for what have I done to thee? Now that's kind of an interesting thing for Elijah to say go back and because what have I done to thee? What do you think he's mean? What do you think the gist of that is? Why? Why did Elijah say that to Elisha? Right? So Elisha just wants to go back and say goodbye to mom and dad. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, he can't just disappear. Uh, they got to know where he's going. Um, he's got a responsibility. But then, so Elijah says, "Go ahead." What's that? It's kind of like a, It's kind of a funny phrase there. Go back again for what have I done to thee? What do you think that's all about? Take a guess. Go ahead. Well, that could be some of it, yeah. What else? I think it's kind of like Elijah is saying to him, listen, this has got to be your decision. This isn't my decision, Elijah. I mean, God... God is ultimately calling Elisha and he's using Elijah to do it. But the idea is, listen, okay, but when I read this, it reminds me of what Pastor Ainsworth told me because somebody told him this before he went into the ministry when he was also considering that God was calling him. Him, His pastor told him this. He said, Lester... If there's anything else you can do, do it. But if you're really called into the ministry, it's the only thing that you'll be able to do. Now, that's not to say you don't do other things uh, when you're called into ministry. But he says, if you're called into ministry, then you will know. Because the calling that God is placing on Elisha's life has got to be that. And we'll see in a few minutes why that is. It's not, a, it's not a career decision. If, and there are people who go into the ministry as a career, but that's not why anyone should ever go into the ministry as a career. You go into the ministry because you're called to go into the ministry. And um, there's a big difference with regards uh, to that. But in a sense, too, I guess, even from a secular perspective, if you're walking with the Lord, God will call you into to to we're not talking about the pastorate. God will call you to other things, whether it's a secular job or because you're following the leading of the Lord, amen. So we're talking about we're talking about that, yes. So I I examined talking in your own faith. You know, you have your faith with the Lord. And then it doesn't matter what's going on around you. your it's your walk. It's your walk. Yeah, that's, that's the personal call and a powerful call. Because it's, it's fine-tuned for you personally. That's what makes it so powerful. And um, when Elijah says that to Elisha, he says, listen, this has got to be something that you want to do. This is voluntary. I'm not going to force you to do this. This is what God wants you to do. And so then we also learn here, he returned back from him. He took a yoke of oxen and he slew them. And he boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and he gave it unto the people. They did eat and he arose and he went after Elijah and he ministered unto him. And that really brings us uh, to the second point. Although I think I put on your handout Luke chapter 14, verse 27 and 28, where Jesus said, Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it. In other words, this is important. These decisions that we make in life are important decisions that we need to think about. Whether you're called into the ministry or whether, you're, whether whatever you're dealing with in life, um, just really spend time and to pray and to really seek God's wisdom and guidance and direction with regards to his leading. Now... In Elisha's life, it's more than just leaving the estate and his family and his friends here. It's it's much more than that. Because who's the queen? Who's the queen at this time? We've talked a little bit about her. Who is it? Anybody know? Jezebel. Jezebel hates Elijah. And she's hunted him down. She wants him dead. Can't stand him, so Elisha is about to follow in the steps of Elijah, and he's putting himself in harm's way, in that in danger, and um, that's part of all of this. Here, he's putting his life on the line, and uh, that's what happens, though. If when look at look at some of our missionaries, where they're called to minister, they are they 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 they. They place themselves in places where they're at risk. And um, so it's important decisions to think about. Well, now we go back to where we started. go back to 2 Kings. So we see this personal call on the life of Elijah, or Elisha. And um, then we have the second point here, um, where he's going to serve... Elijah. Uh, we left it back there in First Kings, where it said he went after Elijah and he ministered to him. So again in chapter two now, in verse one, so it came to pass the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven in the whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha. He went from Gilgal. you get to see that they're together. And as you read that, if you notice a number of times, Elijah suggests that Elisha tarry. Look at verse two. Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I'll not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So you're gonna, you see in his life, there is a, There is a, a de- Elisha has, he's determined to serve Elijah. He's going to do whatever it takes to serve him. He knows he's the second man. Um, I've been to some, I've been to some pastor's conferences where they have, they have seminars that are entitled The Second Man. And those seminars are meant for assistant pastors, especially in larger ministries. The whole ministry of the second man um, and and serving the pastor. But the determined servant, uh, servant, there's a sense of commitment here that uh, Elisha has, obviously to God, but Elisha has to Elijah. Uh, and he wasn't going to let anything interfere with that. Elijah suggests, maybe Elijah, Elijah did this as a, as a test or a trial, but Elisha says, no, 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 no. He says, I'm not going to leave thee. Uh, I'm going to stick by your side. And I have to say in my own personal testimony, when Pastor Angels was the pastor here, he certainly did not do everything right. No pastor does everything right. And uh, there were some things that he and I disagreed about, and I privately spoke to him about those things. But I realized that God had used him in many ways in my life personally, and so I was going to do my best to be faithful uh, to him. Obviously, uh, if there was something, and you're in a situation where something's doing, somebody's doing something unscriptural, then you have no obligation to. Uh, Follow that. But there are just some... Let me just say this. If there was 10 things, 9 out of the 10 we agreed on, and maybe one we didn't, but we able to work through those things. That's what people do, amen? That's what what mature people do. Or immature people say, no, I'm going to pick up my marbles and I'm going to go home uh, because I just don't like that. Okay, well then be childlike if you'd like to be but mature people work things out. Um, Anyhow, that was my little, as Ethan would say, my little rant right there. (laughs) So he's determined just to serve. Because by the way, this ministry, Pastor Ainsworth, he taught me this as well. This This isn't Pastor Ainsworth's ministry just like when i became the pastor it's not eric malachuk's ministry and nor is it ethan malachuk's ministry this is god's ministry amen and that's who we're really serving in the end god and so elisha is determined to serve i love what these verses in the book of acts paul's verses here he says none of these things move me neither count i my life dear unto myself so that i might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Oh, by the way, let me just say this on my little rant, too. Ethan and I don't always agree on everything. That might just shock you. And Aaron and I don't always agree on anything. But we work those things out. And... uh, the older I get, the more they get their way, it seems. <laughs> but anyhow, these things should move us. Um, and, and Elijah, he's determined. So again, so there was a verse two, look at verse four. Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here second time. Uh, I pray thee for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I'll not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Anyway, he wouldn't leave him again, second time. And then again in verse number six, the same thing. Elijah said, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul I will not leave thee. And the two went on. So those three times, but he's determined and he's devoted. He's devoted. And we find too that there's, there's a the the declaration is made that um, the sons, verse 3, the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, yea, I know it, hold ye your peace. And, um, and I'm not sure, but maybe I missed it, but I, I don't think the Bible tells us how they knew. But Elisha knew that this time was coming And um, we also see this again in in, uh, verse number uh, five. Knowest thou not that the Lord taketh away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And um, let me just back up and share this testimony with you, too. Pastor Andrews hadn't left yet, but I already knew in my heart that he was leaving And um, began to sense that and didn't know whether I would stay here or move up to to Vermont to start a, a work up there. I just followed the leading of the Lord. But I knew what was happening. And I began to pray. And I don't want to get into all of the details because I have a tremendous amount of respect and love for Pastor Ainsworth, but it was time for Pastor Ainsworth to leave. And um, he, God had used him here, but his time had come to an end. And it was just time for him to leave. And so, I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly, but I began to pray that God would move him along in a loving way, don't get me wrong, if that was God's will. And within a week, Pastor Ainsworth, me beginning to pray that, Pastor Ainsworth came to me and said he would be leaving. So that began to cement... What God perhaps wanted for me, and um, and I was never so glad when he came back for an anniversary Sunday, and the church was just filled, and we let him teach Sunday school, and he had he was really getting up there in years by then, and and um, and I I was glad, just like just like Elijah was glad that Elisha was going to take over and continue his ministry. Any pastor that's put their well, I have put my whole life into this church. And I know it's God's church. But one day I'm not going to be here. And every pastor, when they put their time and their effort, their, their tears, their sweat, their blood into it, they want to see the next generation continue what they spend all the time and all the effort doing. So for me to see my son, sons really follow me in the work here, we'll praise God for that. And uh, Elijah, I'm sure, it, you see in Elijah, and this doesn't always happen, and uh, in Elijah's life, you see him being a real mentor to Elisha. Sometimes, my sons will tell you this, because they've told me this, they know of guys who have been called to other works, the pastor is getting older, and the pastor says, yeah, I want you to come and work with me, and, and then basically kind of what we've done here, we'll, I'll turn the work over to you if the church calls you. Well, what happens sometimes is that pastor is a little bit older. He kind of keeps hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. And the younger pastor says, you know, I thought, you know, this was the two, three years. No, no, I've decided to stay a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And it's, discour- it's discouraging for the younger pastor. And so he ends up leaving. Uh, in this instance, it's a different dynamic. When you've been the lead pastor for as long as I have been, and then you have to begin to turn all those responsibilities over to someone else, and you're still here, uh, that's not as easy as you might think. And, um, but, praise God, I think, so far, Ethan and I and Aaron have kind of worked all through that. We have some interesting discussions sometimes, but we're working through that. I call it, uh, every Saturday morning we meet together, I call it the meeting of the Trinity. And uh, we kind of hammer some things out there. Trinity with a small T, all right? And um, that's, where, that's where all the hammering gets done, right, right then and there. But anyhow, um, uh, Elisha is just devoted to serving Elijah. And... Um, brings us really as we're running out of time to the last point. We didn't read these verses, but look what it says here. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I, take away, take, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. So that's a great request that Elisha has. He's not asking for anything except he knows that Elijah is a man of God, and the Spirit of God is upon him, and he wants what Elijah has. In fact, he wants twice what Elijah has. And um, look at verse 10. I want to finish with this because we're running out of time. He said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, so shall it be unto thee. As I read that, I thought there's two things here. First, he says it's a hard thing. You're asking me a hard thing. It wasn't a hard thing for, for God to do this. I think the reference here is, Elisha, understand what you're about to enter into is not an easy thing. It's not an easy life. It's a hard life. There's sacrifice. There's, there's going to be problems. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be um, times where things don't work out the way that you'd hope that they worked out. There's going to be disappointments. And, uh, you know, he had Jezebel to deal with and, and, and many other things. And that's just part of life. But he wanted to make sure that if that's what you want, if that's what you want, you understand that this is not an easy thing. And then the other thing was this. If that's what you want, he said, uh, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha, I read that already. Verse 10, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, In other words, we've seen in the life of Elisha and Elijah that Elisha stood, he stayed close to Elijah. You just stick close to me. I'll teach you what I know and um, be there for me right to the end. And he was. And then, of course, the, um, the, Chariot of fire that, or the chariot that comes down. It came to pass as they, uh, verse 11. It came to pass as, the, uh, as they still went on and talked. That behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and part of them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And what a sight that must have been! I, per, I personally believe that these were. This was an angelic event, um, because you often see. You often see, for instance, the whole idea of um, angels being called the chariots. In Psalms, I have this written on my notes. Psalm 68, 17, listen to this. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them. And then the seraphims, they're called the burning ones. So was this actually horses and a chariot? could be. But it was some type of angelic thing, I believe. And by the way, the cherubims, too, they were the ones that regulate the entrance uh, uh, into the throne room of God. They were the ones, for instance, that were in the Garden of Eden that prevented people from going back into the Garden of Eden. They were like the protectors. Um, but one way or the other, it's quite an event that takes place here. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah and one other person in the Bible never faced physical death. Who's the other person? Anybody know? Enoch, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. And um, um, and Elisha, verse twelve, saw it, and he cried, "My father, my father!" The chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. So we see the transition here between the prophets. And I think, you know, I should have double-checked this out. I think I remember as I studied this in the past, it just, just came to my thought. I think, and I might be wrong, you, got, you can all check it out and tell me next week if I'm wrong, but I think there are, uh, are recorded in the Bible that Elisha has twice the amount of um, miracles that Elijah has recorded. I don't know why that's in my mind right now, but I'm pretty sure that that's, that's the case. So you Bible scholars, you study it out. And, and you can tell me if I'm if I'm not right with regards to that. But that's our that's our lesson for this morning. And and again, whether it's whether you're called to be the pastor, into the ministry to be a preacher or missionary or whatever you're called to do, listen. We're all called to follow the Lord. We're all called to serve the Lord, and we're all called uh, because it's God that's going to enable us. We just need to stay, stay close to close to the things uh, to God, and. It, I didn't get to read it, but if we were to read the rest of the chapter, there's kind of a a grim scene at the end where there's some children that come out and they mock Elijah, or Elisha. And uh, um, there was idol worship in that city as well. And they were mocking him, and God destroys them, has two uh, bears come out and kills them, as if God knew that that generation that was coming We're not going to serve him. It's just important for you and I, the generation that we are, for the next generation to serve the Lord. Let me just leave you with this thought. For me personally, to stay faithful until the Lord calls me home, it's not only important for me personally, it's important because it'll have an effect on my children, my grandchildren, perhaps my great-grandchildren if the Lord doesn't return. When brothers and sisters stop serving the Lord, it's not just about them stop serving the Lord and being faithful. That same person who for their, for their grandchild would do anything in this world, but the one thing that they're not doing for them is they're not representing or being a good spiritual example. It doesn't do you any good to bring your kids to Disney World and, and all these other things that the world offers but if you're not following the lord spiritually you could be the greatest parent or grandparent in the eyes of the world but if you're not following the lord spiritually then you are in some ways consigning the next generation or the next generation to a world with to a life without Christ almost condemnation so i don't know if that makes sense or not but but there are many reasons I still wanna serve the Lord today but, but honestly, as I watched my little grandchildren at the basketball court yesterday, they had the smallest ones, Maddie and, and, um, and Gracie were playing basketball. It was quite, they, they had this league where they're just teaching them but they let them play a game at the very end of the season. And to watch them, it was more like rugby than it was basketball. <laughs> But I'm watching these, and then I said to Ethan, and, and when I got there, they're going to have them play full court. And then I realized kids that age have endless energy; they just ran up and down and up and down. I was tired watching them. But I thought as I sat there and I was thinking about this lesson, I was thinking, or I was thinking about this verse. Listen to this verse: Peter said, "Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance." That Grandpa's not always going to be here. But the most important thing I want my grandkids to know about grandpa was he loved Jesus, he served Jesus, he was faithful to the end. Nothing else matters. We'll do other things, but that's the most important thing. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd bless our morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. Thank you again always, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.